This podcast was recorded on January 28th, 2013. And welcome, everyone, to the latest episode of the D&D Podcast. I am your host, Mike Robles. Joining me are three fine-looking gentlemen. Gentlemen, go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Mike Merles, the senior manager of the D&D R&D team. You might know me from my Legends and Lore columns that show up every Monday on the Wizards website. And I'm Jeremy Crawford. I oversee development and editing for uh, D&D products. And I'm Rodney Thompson. I am a designer on Dungeons & Dragons, and I answer the D&D Next Q&A every week. So if you are a fan of this podcast, these voices should all be no surprise to you, as well as the conversations that we have are going to be of no surprise to you, because it's always exciting. We always have new stuff, and we are always going to be talking about what is coming next, especially with D&D Next, because we just uh, unleashed in the newest playtest, The Barbarian. So who wants to, who wants to get us started and talk about The Barbarian? Well, The Barbarian appeared in the public playtest today, but it actually appeared over the weekend at Winter Fantasy, which Mike was at. Yeah, I was there. We did collect playtest feedback for Dini Next, so people who played it a chance to fill out a questionnaire, and so those are on Greg's desk right now. And uh, we had a really great uh, Living Forgotten Realms interactive that ran, a uh, big crowd of people, um, so that was great to see that going on. And as usual, uh, things went smoothly, and it was a good time. But yeah, I just kind of wish, I, well... I had work to do, and that's why I was paid to go there, so I shouldn't complain. But the uh, but yeah, it was a good time. I always like going to Fort Wayne. People are always really friendly, and I don't know Indiana. It's like it'll always be linked with gaming in my mind now. It's true. When I go to Indiana, yeah. it's to go to a game convention. Right. So yeah. I like that you were like subtly complaining. It was such a humble brag, man. I go to a convention, but I had to work, and so like <laughs> I had to be surrounded by all these fans and these awesome people telling me about how good needing Nexus and feedback. Oh, it was the worst. Your life yeah. is so hard, Mike Morrell. It's so hard. It's just a hard life. <laughs> So the Barbarian debuted at uh, debuted yeah. yeah all right so debuted at Winter Fantasy and so let's let's talk about it. let's talk about the creation of the Barbarian and why this is a, an important character uh, in in D and D next in the next playtest. Uh, yeah, so basically the fighter is uh, of the guys who are fighters but different. The uh, Barbarian is the closest to just being a straight fighter. You think of the Ranger and Paladin; they have like some spell casting abilities, and the Barbarian is a guy who gets angry. And then hits people really hard. <laughs> right. And that can describe a lot of people. Um, and we've actually kind of thought about, I, th- I think one of our next surveys will probably ask people, like, should we call this the Barbarian? Should we call this the Berserker? Should we look mm. for a little bit more of a specific name for it? Because it really is driven by rage. Um, and not by just, like, you know, anger, but an actual ability called rage. The um, And if you've played 3rd uh, Edition, you'll recognize that. But something we tried to do a little bit of, and I don't know if we really hit the mark yet. Um, we'll see when we get some feedback and what we'll do in the next phase. Is also to go back to the Barbarian from 1st Edition, who's a, lo- a little bit more of an outdoorsman. Right. Now, the Ranger kind of picked up a lot of that stuff in 2nd yeah. Edition. But I know at one point we were kind of talking about, like, what if the Barbarian, you know, you kind of think of the Barbarian as, like, this uh, physical specimen, you know, like... Uh, you know, this uh, person from, like, the edge of the civilized world who's just really strong and fast and, like, a real natural athlete. You know, you can kind of picture, like, is maybe there's a little bit of an angle there in the Barbarian to explore. Do we touch on that mechanically in this draft? I know we kind of were really focused. There's a little bit, yeah. right? I mean, you know, there's the, the ability to, you know, you roll two dice for initiative and, and yeah, okay. some and other things like that that are, uh, they're more concrete mechanics related to combat, but they sort of abstract out that, oh, you know, you're from the wilderness, nothing really can sneak up on you, et cetera. So um, we'll need to continue to, you know, to refine that. But yeah, we, we touch on it a little bit in and, the, the and first the, draft. And at higher level too, there's the ability of for the barbarian to sub in his or her uh, strength score for any strength check. Right. Oh, okay. So there's some of that. Yeah. Because I think that's the one thing the... Um, 
which you know we talk about rage being the barbarian's key straight uh, key trait. There's also this idea of the barbarian as this real natural athlete, and like, what, what does the barbarian do outside of combat or just as a general ability to make it a little bit more different from the fighter? So in this barbarian, this 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 version of it really emphasized rage, um, and that's really the barbarian flies into a fury, gets a number of benefits from that, um, you know, hits harder, hits faster. And then as you gain levels, your rage offers you more benefits. Um, these guys would probably know more of the details because uh, they work more directly with the text. I'm sort of more just a higher level view of these things. So why don't yeah. you guys take it away? So the, the rage mechanic is obviously central to the Barbarian. And it started out uh, with the initial draft. It, you know, it was giving us that, okay, you flip a switch and you go into overdrive mode. Uh, but through internal playtesting, one of the things we discovered was that it wasn't quite feeling like enough of a step up from your normal round-to-round, uh, so we cranked the volume way, way up on it. Uh, <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> yeah. So maybe too good. Yeah, maybe this, too good. And this is, this is one of the beauties of the playtest process, is we, <laughs> we are ready to be told, this is too damn good. Yeah. But but as we've talked about before in, in these podcasts, as well as uh, on online um, in our videos, it... In the playtest process, we almost always try to overshoot the mark right, rather yeah. than undershoot. We, we'd we rather send something out that's too powerful and be told, uh, ring that in, guys, than sending something out that's completely lackluster. And, and then we have to do a lot of work to get the thing so it's up to snuff. Yeah, and I think this is important when it comes to the playtest. That's that's something that's very important because you want to have everything balanced out. So if somebody comes back and says, this is really good, but it's a little too good, then that's perfect for you guys because you're like, all right, now we can balance it out with the rest of the classes. Sounds to me like the barbarian is the kind of guy that like, you wouldn't like him when he's angry. That's exactly yeah. what it sounds like. To me, to me the, best part about <laughs> exactly. it, the best part about it is that the, the barbarian's rage is really exciting. Like when you flip that switch, you've got advantage on your strength attacks and checks and saves. You're basically not going to get pushed around. You're not going to miss. You're not going <laughs> to... You know, fail any kind of saving throw uh, for strength. Plus, you also resist damage because, of course, as you, we all know, when you fly into a murderous rage, you simply don't feel the effects you of don't care, uh, certain yeah. damage. Uh, it, I, I think it's really exciting, and what I would like to be the end result is that we keep it that exciting <laughs> and then make sure it's balanced out with everything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the the trade off <clears throat> is to stay in the rage. The barbarian has to keep attacking. Right. So right. If, if the barbarian ends his or her turn without having attacked, then the rage ends. Um, so there's this this motivation to just keep bashing people. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing where, uh, you know, when you look at that kind of weakness, I always like those things where you think of adventurers in the world sort of understand how to deal with certain opponents. Like if there's a half ogre barbarian you're fighting. And he rages, you know, hey, if I cast like Wall of Stone in front of him, yeah, he can still fight, but you know, maybe it's going to outlast him. Or if I can put a hold person on him, or if I can charm him for a round and get him to do nothing, that actually that's a way you get someone out of a rage. Yeah, it sort of right. runs out of steam. Yeah, exactly. Right. And then the rest of the party, like if you have a barbarian in your party, you know, hey, we're fighting this, you know, an evil cleric. You want to keep the barbarian protected, then the, the cleric, the rest of the party can kind of think of, well, we want to make sure the barbarian isn't slowed down or isn't right. trapped or anything like that. He can rage and then just beat the heck out of this villain. Right. Now, we we definitely wanted there to be this this careful balance of, you know, you rage, it's totally awesome, but it can actually be turned off fairly easily. You know, as, as you say, Mike, if the, if the barbarian is somehow immobilized, you know, he right. can't get an attack off, doesn't have any ability to make a ranged attack to keep the rage going, it's off. So to to help balance that in the play experience of the class, we also made sure 
the barbarian has other things to do beside raging. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so we we have the, that's why even at first level the barbarian has an ability to basically sort of tap into a mini version of rage, you know, to get advantage, but then grants advantage to anybody who uh, attacks him or her because you know the barbarian is going so full bore in in attacking that the barbarian's not paying any mind to right. defense. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really fun ability too because. Uh, since you grant advantage to everyone that's going to be attacking you, you kind of have to make a, a choice, a, a tactical decision when to use it. So in our playtest, we see it getting used a lot to strike the final killing blow against a guy. It's like, well, I think this guy's almost dead. I'm going to attack recklessly because if I kill him, then they're not going to get that advantage against me. Right. Or uh, we've seen things like people hurting monsters closer to the barbarian to guarantee that he gets to stay <laughs> in his rage or something right. like that. So I actually yeah. think it's it's got a lot of uh, fun tactical stuff inside of it, too. Well, that's what makes everything about the the, the playtest and the characters and the, the way you guys are rolling things out. That's what makes it so interesting is because you are slowly giving these pieces of that perfect party. You guys are like, here's the initial characters you have, and now here's other characters. You can slowly start to like piece those guys together because, yeah, you're going to have you know your wizards and your and your rogues kind of stay back a little bit but what good is it without your tank in the in the front you know yeah. and then you it's like exactly like you said well if the barbarian's going up against a wizard you've got these other party members to go up and and take care of that and so i think the way you guys are rolling this out is very tactical yourselves and i think it's very very good and I'm, i know the community is enjoying the, the especially these rollouts yeah it's definitely it's interesting to see the, dy- the dynamics of the game change as new classes come in and there's definitely a part of, you know, when we think with the, barbar- the Barbarian or as we look at the Paladin and Druid, you know, how do they change how the party acts as a whole? Right. You know, if in, if someone's going to play a fighter but they decided to opt for, for Barbarian, that really should change how the game feels. Not just narratively, but you have a different type of character. But when we think about it in terms of the different reasons why people play D&D, whether you're a storyteller who's thinking, oh, it'd be fun to play a Barbarian for these three reasons related to the story, or just a tactical player, if you like combat, well, a barbarian's a different type of challenge. You know, it's that risk reward. I can get a big reward if I rage, and the risk is I could lose it. So let's optimize to keep my rage going for as long as possible. Uh, all right. So before we move on to talk about what what's coming up next, real fast, favorite barbarians and why? Go. Oh, uh, individuals or groups? It, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I get it, from from the world of barbarians. There's a whole world of barbarians <laughs> out there. The um, I, I'm not gonna cheat and just say Conan and let someone else pick that one. Up. <laughs> the uh, I actually always liked how Bjorn from The Hobbit was depicted. You know, the kind of nice. he could turn into a bear and stuff. Because I know I mentioned in I think Legends and Lore, and this is kind of one of my personal things I like to see us do, is as we give you more options for rage, giving you that chance to be the real mystic barbarian who can transform into a beast or get beast characteristics. The um, so I've always liked I always liked how he was depicted as like this guy. There's almost like very like fairy tale slash kind of mythic figure living in the middle of the wild that you know when the dwarves are at night when, when they're sleeping he warns them don't go outside and there's like this council of bears that he calls and they all <laughs> gather to talk about the goblins and I always really like that kind of stuff in fantasy because it really brings to life to me this idea of magic and it's this kind of somewhat alien world you know? right so yeah I always liked him as a character and I, I'm not going to pick Conan either um, <laughs> well and the funny thing is even though the Conan stories are foundational for D&D. Conan himself is not foundational for the Barbarian class, oddly enough, um, because the Barbarian class early on, basically as soon as Rage became a component yeah. of the class, it, it the, the, the class is firmly planted in 
Northern European mythology that involves berserkers. Yeah. And so, and, and like, like you, Mike, I often drift more towards sort of like the fairy tale side of things. So my favorite, what I would think of as a barbarian is the Irish Cúchulainn of Myrthemne, mm-hmm. um, who, you know, in Irish mythology, he is the guy who has this warp frenzy. That's what his rage is called. And it, it, he isn't just pissed when it happens. It's like a transformation. So like Bjorn, his whole his whole form is changing. Now he's not literally turning into an animal, um, but he's described in in the Irish stories. Some and it, it's actually different at different times. Sometimes he almost has like a monstrous cast to him, and then other times he's described as almost looking like a god. It's just like this. It's like raw power is spilling out of him, um, and it and. It, what's interesting is in the stories, it's never really defined where did this power come from. It's just this, huh. it's like this primal energy that he taps into that transforms yeah. him in the middle of battle. Now, the AD&D barbarian was a little close to Conan with the idea of like oh, emphasizing. In, in yeah, yeah, like a, yeah. Yeah, your dexterity, your, your constitution gave you more benefits. And that kind of felt like, you know, because Conan, whether he's wearing armor or not, was equally effective. Right. Never really, th- you know, it was always interesting. It's kind of weird to forward, sorry, running out to cut into your thunder for your answer. But <laughs> the uh, that idea of like the, the warrior thief in some ways is a little more akin to Conan. But that also idea of like the natural, that's where this idea of like the natural athlete comes from. You know, we kind of think of how maybe you can incorporate some of that. I also kind of shelf Tarzan in, in there mm. under that too, mm-hmm. just you know, the Lord of the Jungle, the guy right, who's just yeah. the feral guy who's just this brilliant athlete, you know, not necessarily maybe the communicating with the animal stuff that might be a little more of a druid, but just this guy, like this perfect physical specimen who's just, you know, strong and tough and can really just survive on his own with just a stone dagger and a loincloth. He can survive for years in the wild. Yeah. yeah my favorite part of the Tarzan story is, is when he flies into a murderous room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, no. <laughs> Uh, actually, my favorite uh, depiction of a barbarian is uh, Logan Ninefingers. He's a character in Joe Abercrombie's first Law trilogy. Mm-hmm. And what I really like about him is that uh, all of his rage and everything, and he's very much the D&D barbarian that he rages and he's the, sort of this mercenary guy. But when he his rage is described, it's always from a first-person perspective. Huh. And so basically he just sort of describes it as he can feel his own mind going away and it being supplanted with this raging, angry, uncontrollable personality. And Logan Ninefingers is very much a danger to his allies as much as he is to his enemies. So uh, it's it's a really great sort of first-person account of this is what it's like to be a, a D&D barbarian. I highly recommend those books, but they are not for people who like happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> now, I'm amazed none of us picked... Another famous barbarian, Thundar. 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 It's more science fantasy than the Sun Sword. With his lightsaber. It is the year 1994. (laughs) I love that. The the If if I'd wanted to be clever, like I wanted to all of you, the answer no one expects, I think I would have said, uh, you think Rambo from the first Rambo movie, First Blood, where he's this guy who kind of survives on his own. He kind of goes into this thing where he's pushed too far and he fights back and he kind of, you could see he kind of regrets, like, you know, when he gets in the fight with the cops he's not really necessarily in control of himself the uh he's usually running around shirtless yeah, yeah. he's no because well he's gonna survive in the forest he's yeah. a green beret and yeah. long range patrols and that there's a little bit of that sense i think almost culturally when you think of a dnd barbarian the guy who comes into town who doesn't really fit in and is clearly a come outcast being more comfortable without people around than with guys with pc that and that fits into to my answer based on like originally i was going to say you know it's gonna be conan but for other reasons
reasons because there's like this hilarious Conan musical on YouTube. Look it up. It's awesome. <laughs> but after talking to it, I was like, no, I'm switching. My answer is actually going to be The Incredible Hulk yeah. during mm-hmm. the Planet Hulk storyline. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. So choice, yeah. For, real fast for those of you guys that are like, what's Planet Hulk? Essentially, Earth got realized Hulk was too much of a, of a threat. They shipped him off to this desolate planet in which he becomes enraged and ends up becoming like a warrior on this planet and ends up becoming this god of this planet and this warrior and having to fight for his own life. It's a really good storyline. Yeah, and for, then the Hulk comes back. And right? Yes, <laughs> and then he comes back to Earth. Yeah, it's, so good. That, that's a great point. I mean, the Hulk, in terms of archetype, really is tapping into the same oh, mythological sure. archetype yeah. as the North Northern European berserker. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say Chewbacca, actually. Which, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was the obvious answer. But he has to play... He, his rage is only triggered when he plays that chess game on the Millennium <laughs> Falcon. That's a really specific trigger. Quick, get that board out. All right, so uh, we've spent a lot of time on the Barbarian, uh, and that's, that's, that's what's out now. As always, let's talk about what's coming next. What is in what is in line? What's in store for the next uh, portion of D and D next? So we've got multi-classing, yep. but is that going to be ready for the next packet, or is that further down the road? Answer hazy. Answer hazy. Sweet. We, we are aiming for the next packet. Okay, yeah. so we're aiming for the next packet, but we're not com- confident about making promises yet. Yeah. Right. Okay, and then we've got classes. Uh, are we looking at druid, ranger, paladin? Yep, they're our focus. Right now. Wow. Next, next packet. Mm-hmm. At least. One or two of them. At least one or two. So this is like, you know, under-promising, over-delivering. I'm hoping that's what's happening here. We're done playing it. We don't know. (laughs) Bam! Three new classes. (laughs) (laughs) uh, And we have the exploration rules, which we mistakenly said were in this packet, but are getting pushed back to the next packet. Right. We just didn't have quite enough time to to refine them, so... So that's a bit the and that's those would be an example like a kind of you know it'll be interesting to see if those become part of the core rules or those are just a, an option you can use if you want more detail handling exploration and, and movement over land and stuff. Yeah, I've been playtesting them uh, in, in some of my own games, and I really like using them for like overland exploration. And uh, the next time we have a big dungeon crawl in my Greyhawk game, maybe we'll use them too. Yep. Cool. Nice. Yeah. And then we we of course have many things we're working on that. Will show up in later packets. Oh yeah. Um, oh okay. Good. I thought you guys were done. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, man, no, no, no. That's it. Yeah. Because right now, <laughs> lol, game done. We're, we're right. Right now, we're actually focusing on um, a number of things that won't see light of day, at least on the public side, for quite yeah. some time. Because um, there, there are some system infrastructural things we're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are a lot of content things that we're working on behind the scenes because we know the game has yeah. spells that. That are still, you know, missing monsters, magic items. Um, there, there are quite a few things in the works uh, that will show up bit by bit in the public playtest. Um, yeah, and and also some things that maybe only our alpha playtesters will see. Yeah, True. and there's still some revisions. Like uh, the fighter is looking pretty good. Just one last revision to its uh, like an attack mechanic, and I think the maneuvers we talked about doing a pass through those and make sure they're hitting the right power level. So. Yeah. But I think we're really happy. I mean, we've gotten really good feedback on the cleric. People are really happy yeah. with the cleric. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rogue's in good shape. The wizard's in pretty good shape. The um, So those will be more just tinkering with rather than wholesale revisions. Right. What would you guys say, like, of the four core classes? Are there any big changes?
changes we can expect or what Ooh, areas? Yeah, that's a good question. One of the things we've been talking about a lot lately, and we've, we've mentioned this before, is that uh, the way that our, our martial classes like the Fighter and the Rogue, the way their damage output is scaling, uh, we might be uh, doing some revision to that to make sure that everything comes out a little bit more smoothly. Uh, we're also looking at things like making two-weapon fighting an easier option to jump into uh, and, and something that basically you could say, well... I'm going to fight with two weapons is a lot like saying, well, I'm going to fight with a great axe yeah. or, or a two-handed weapon oh, or something yeah. like that. So that instead of putting it, you know, behind the the gate like a lot of uh, a lot of times we have in the past, we might put it right up front and say, no, this is you know, fighting with two weapons. That's like that's like using a two-handed weapon versus sword and board or something like that. Yeah, excellent. Uh, well, wow, this all sounds awesome. It sounds like there's a lot of really good coming down relatively soon. When can we? When is the next playtest packet coming out? Like, obviously, we just we just draw the barbarian. So yeah, is it? Uh, it's a couple of months out. Yeah. We should two months. Is that what we're looking at? Or for the, the for the next biggie? Yeah, the next, next there'll biggie, probably be yeah. some some incremental drops. I mean, because yeah, because to, right. today's packet wasn't a full a one of our normal giant. Right. Yeah. It was yeah. really just the, the barbarian and a few other. Bits. Yeah. And you'll see more of those where it's just we're just releasing a new class or, or some new races rather right, than because yeah. most of the core system is in good shape. If anything, we just want to simplify some things. So right. and, and and also we're we're going to be doing more of this kind of release partly so that it's easier for people to focus in their playtesting. Right. Yeah. Um, because because we know when we give you basically revised versions of every single document in the packet. Right. It's a lot to yeah. process. Yeah. And so we'll be doing more like, as you say, Mike, here's another class. Yeah. Here's, here's some another races. race. We have the, um, Oh yeah, that's actually, that's yeah, a, we, we have, mention those. We have, we have, uh, uh, three more races coming up. We have three more races coming yes. up. Yes. Oh, what are those three? <laughs> three races coming up are the half work, the half elf and the gnome. What about the plane touched? Are we going to be touching on them anytime soon? Not anytime soon. Not anytime soon. Okay. At least not on the public side. Yeah, the public ah, side. Ah. Yeah. I mean, so soon. You know, we are already touching them. That's why. I asked. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's, so it's soon. Already. Yeah. So it's soon, but not soon. Soon. Yeah, soon is sort of a geological sense, right? So, yeah. In terms yeah. of Earth geology. See, I always like dropping those little hints too, because Jeremy always gets a little nervous. <laughs> he's very, he's as an editor, he's very rules driven. So he's like, is he allowed to say that? Like, yes, I'm in charge. I can say anything. Well, gentlemen, this has been very, very enlightening. Uh, well, gentlemen, thank you guys very much for taking time out of your days. Again, I know you guys are always busy. There's a lot coming down the pipeline. Obviously, soon, 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 and soon, soon, soon. So that's always fantastic. <laughs> Audience listening, remember your feedback, very important. It's your feedback. It's going to help shape the game. They're taking all the feedback. You can go to dndnext.com to sign up for the playtest. Uh, for your feedback, sign in for the playtest. Uh, gentlemen, again, thank you guys uh, for stopping by. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.